Uh, turn in your Bibles with me to um, Psalm 103, and before we read that scripture, um, I want to just talk about a couple verses. Do you know, all week, I don't know, I don't know, again, I don't know what's happening in people's lives in this room, so please don't feel like I'm preaching at you. Uh, I've had, you know, when the Holy Spirit anoints something, um, it's always pertinent, pertinent. It means to be personally, be able to be applied to your life personally. How many of every, how many of you have ever come to a service and felt like God was talking right to you? And then I've had new, I had, we've had new people come to this church and they haven't come back because they thought I was preaching at them. I've had, actually had new people tell me that. And uh, there are people that are, that have uh, been to my church, other churches that I've pastored, and they have uh, sat in their chairs with this look of horror sometimes. And I have no idea what's happening in their life. And God is speaking to them through the word. And uh, one person um, who stayed in the church uh, the, first, the first, few year, first couple of years said, I would come to church. And I would wonder, like, you know, are you guys mind readers? <laughs> because it was always something that was happening in their life. And, and I, um, I know how that feels. And because God loves us and he is concerned about our soul. And all week I've been thinking about this, that we need encouragement, don't we? We are just in places that we live in a very interesting world. And, you know, these days that we live in, you know, the entire the entire country of Ireland now has voted with over a 60% vote to, uh, to, to support uh, same-sex marriage. That's unbelievable. I mean, an entire country has now turned in that direction. And we are living in the last days. And these are very, very uh, strange days. It's very strange. I think it's very hypocritical. Um, you know, we don't hate homosexuals at all. Um, you know, we got, got, we love them. God loves them, and uh, you know. So, um, and and the concept that that they have that live in that lifestyle are that you know you people hate us, but it's not us. It's very interesting that when uh, Lot was in Sodom and Gomorrah, which was an entire city given over to homosexuality, do you know what these men said to Lot? Now, Lot was a carnal believer living in a very carnal place, although he wasn't part of that lifestyle. You know what they said to him? God showed this to me last week. They said to him, Lot, who has made you judge over us? And Lot was in no place where he was in any way judging them. But just his presence and the presence of God in his life was very convicting for them. And so you and I may be, um, you and I may be in some way judged or accused that we are haters, but there's no one else on the planet that loves these people more than us, than the Church of Christ, than Jesus Christ, really. And they're not going to find. And and we, I, I have friends that have were in that lifestyle that got saved and got delivered from it, and have normal lives, and they're married. So God can deliver a person from that bondage. But it's very hypocritical when you hear people talk about we have to be very in tune with the earth. We have to be green. Uh, we have to be, uh, you know, we have to uh, be very sensitive to the harmony of nature and and if you know and uh, and do things the natural way. 
But you know, that whole lifestyle is not natural. It is actually anti-natural because it just goes against nature. And because you don't see that happening in the world. You don't see animals with that situation. So anyway, I don't want to talk about that. What I do want to talk about is, is that when we look at the world that we live in, uh, it can get very discouraging. And no one really is talking about this, that what is the root of problems in men's hearts? It's not that the government needs to give people more money. It's not that the government needs to pay people more money. It's not, it's not on anything else, but this is the problem right here. Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. And I'm going to read it to you. Then the eyes of both of them, Adam and Eve, were opened. They were opened. And they knew, and this is after they, they took of the apple, uh, to, they partook of the tree, actually. We don't know if it was an apple or not, but we, it says it part, they partook of a tree, the knowledge of good and evil. They knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. So this is the root, really, of all societies and man's problems. The root of it is sin, guilt, and shame. That's the root. That's where every psychological problem comes from. That's where every addiction comes from. That's where every extreme comes from. That, that is where every relationship issue comes from. This is the root problem. And while the world is, is crying out, be natural, be earthly, be green, they are living a lifestyle that is in so much hypo, uh, hypocritical uh, trend than, than what they're saying. And so when we look at that, we look at a very, uh, we can look at a system and a world system that is based on a very discouraging situation. There are four areas that the devil targets us to wear us down. And I want to read a verse in Daniel chapter 7. Let's turn there if you can. Daniel chapter 7, verse 25. And this is a description of the Antichrist. Now, the Antichrist comes after the rapture of the church, and there's many verses that support that. The Antichrist comes during the seven-year period of the tribulation, and the rapture of the church is the next big event on God's schedule in his timetable. And after the rapture of the church, you and I, we are raptured together with him into the air. Then the world, imagine the world without the presence of the church. Can you imagine that situation? Imagine the world without the presence of the Holy Spirit in his church. We, as the church of Christ, are holding back worldwide judgment. This was the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot was living in, in, in Sodom. And Lot was actually, and his family was actually hindering God's pouring out of his judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah because they were physically there, even though they were carnal Christians. And his wife was carnal. But as soon as they were out of the city... God could pour out his, his wrath on the city. And it's the same thing with the rapture of the church. There is going to be a day when we are raptured up together. The, the trump will sound and we will meet him in the air. And this sounds a little bit like science fiction, but this will happen. And after this happens, the Antichrist comes on the scene uh, at some time later after that. I, want, I don't want to get into the timeline right now. But one of the things that he will do is in, in Daniel chapter 7, verse 25, he shall wear down the saints of the Most High. He will wear them down. Some versions say oppress. Some versions say persecute. But in the, Greek, in the Hebrew here, it really is a word to wear down, to wear down. 
And this is the program of the devil in the believer's lives today. The Antichrist will put into, into a process many programs. He'll even try to change the times and the seasons, and um, he'll try to do some very bold things. But before that happens, before the rapture, <clears throat> there is a satanic program to wear you down, to wear you down. How many have experienced that? The wearing down, the wearing down, the wearing down. How many of you have ever felt that? Like you get so worn down. And this is the program of the devil against the believer. And this is the first thing that the devil wants to target in your life, to discourage us, to wear you down. And that happens through the system. How many have ever been trying to get something done in the system and they are worn down and it's just a wearing process and you get home and you're exhausted? The system, the world system wants to wear you down. Number two, the second area where the devil wants to wear us down is in Judges chapter 16, verse 16, and that is through toxic people. Toxic people. Now, when I say that, please don't imagine somebody in your mind and target that person right now. Oh, yeah, that person next to me. I mean, I hope they're listening to the man. It's funny when people come to church, you know, sometimes we're thinking, wow, I'm so glad so-and-so is here to hear this. I hope they apply it in their life. And maybe God's not speaking to so-and-so. Maybe God is speaking to me or to you. <laughs> The devil wants to target you and wear you down through toxic people. Toxic people, people that are just filled with poison, bitterness, pain. Uh, Delilah was a picture of a toxic person. She, and it says in Judges 16, 16, Delilah nagged and pressed and tempted uh, Samson daily. And it says here, and she burdened, uh, she, she pressed him so much that Samson's soul was vexed or worn down even to the point of death. Now, this is, this is a very sad situation. Samson was clinging to Delilah because he had a need in his life that he wasn't allowing God to fulfill. So he was clinging to someone who he thought was going to meet that need. But Delilah had an agenda. She was hired by the Philistines to find out what was the strength of Samson. And her, her, she was sent by the devil into Samson's life to wear him down. And it says that she pressed on him daily until eventually it said that Samson told all of what was in his heart to her. Whoa. <laughs> unbelievable, huh? Here's a man that's being worn down, worn down, worn down by, by pressure and by a toxic person. And then finally he's just at a point where it says that, that he poured out his whole heart to her. And what did she do? She broke it. She cut his hair and it betrayed him. The third, uh, the third area, I'm sorry, there's five areas here, not four areas. The third area can happen, and it's going to sound funny, but it can happen in the ministry. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. Paul said, For we don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia. Now, Paul was traveling with his bands of mission missionaries through Asia and they were preaching and teaching and uh, God was moving but then there was so much persecution and so much wearing down on them that he said that we were burdened beyond measure it says in 2 Corinthians 1 8 above our strength so that we despaired even of our lives this can happen in the ministry sometimes you could be in the ministry serving 
and when I say in the ministry, I mean I'm talking about people that are loving people, serving people, discipling people. And I hope that you can keep in mind uh, people that you're personally discipling. You know, someone that is in your mind that, that's in the church, maybe that's new, and you're thinking, maybe I can just spend a little time for that person, call them once a week, touch base with them, see how they're doing. Because one way that we can deliver our souls from our own personal burdens is to call and minister to somebody. Sometimes we think, you know, I don't have energy to call that person. But you know what? Pick up the phone, send a text, reach out to them, meet them for coffee. And you know what happens? God fills you and he takes away your burden. But this can happen in the ministry where someone could be legitimate pressures. Uh, so many pastors quit because of just the pressure in the ministry because they don't know how to cast their cares upon the Lord. Some pastors just get so discouraged with people's problems and they just get to a point where like, you know what, right after the service, I'm just going to disappear. I don't want to talk to anybody because people have got so many problems. And, and then what happens to the same thing? Everybody in the church, I mean, as soon as the amen, it's just like a, it's like a, it's like a mad rush to get out of the parking lot. You ever, ever see a church like that? I've, I've been to, there's a big, big, and this happens with large churches, unfortunately, that a large church can get to a point where people are so worn down and the service is so wearing and it's just not encouraging and it doesn't spiritually build them up because it doesn't come from the cross and resurrection life and grace and the finished work. They're just like, they just at the end of the service, they're just like either beat up or just like torn down. And, uh, you know, some of these church, they have like coffee in the back and free stuff and there's like nobody there. You know, there's just nobody there. And like everybody's just beelining for the door. Why? Because... Sometimes in the ministry, we can get really worn down. And as a minister of Christ, and, you, and all of us can take that step from just being a receiver, but to a point where, okay, I'm going to be a minister. And I just want to talk about that for a second, is that um, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you that, like, we all have our own lives, and maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you're just not there yet, and you're just like, okay, you know what, I just need to receive. And that's fine. We're not asking, we're not trying to put a burden on you. I mean, but you know, if there's someone maybe that you think of in, in your family or that in your circle of people or in the church that's new, that's struggling a little bit, just say, you know what, I, I want to, if God touches your heart for that person, just minister to them and just make a, send a text and, you know, you don't have to chase them down or spiritually stalk them, <laughs> but just like encourage them, you know. Uh, so in the ministry, we can get worn down, and sometimes that can happen when people are not, when we're not receiving mercy and grace personally in our own lives, we can get worn down and get worn down, and we just kind of dread going to church, and we just say like, oh, I got to go to church again, and I got to do that again, and the fourth thing that can wear us down, it's going to sound kind of interesting, but it's true, pleasure and entertainment can wear us down. How many of you have ever gone on a vacation and you just need a vacation after your vacation? <laughs> that, that's like pleasure and entertainment. I've had so much entertainment and so much fun that I'm just wasted. I'm so tired. And I, I'm just so worn down. And You know, when we live in just the excess of, of pleasure and, and live in the excess of our American, blessed American culture where we just are just feeding ourselves entertainment, we're exhausted and we can be worn down. And then number five, uh, Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, <clears throat> the atmosphere, the atmosphere. When we say atmosphere, you know, I'm not talking about the barometer, the, the, the barometer and the barometric 
pressure. I'm talking about the spiritual atmosphere that you and I are in. How many of you sometimes discern the spiritual atmosphere you're in? You're like, you got, you're out there, and you just kind of get your feelers out, and you got your little, your little radar dish just kind of checking out the atmosphere, saying, what, what is this atmosphere? You know, Kyle and I, and they're, they're in Baltimore um, today because they're getting prayed out to move here, so that's why they're not here today. But Kyle and I went out to get a car for him uh, way out north of Reading, just in the middle of nowhere, just very poor part of like, poor farms and just very oppressed places. And we were just driving through these little roads that had no signs. And, you know, we were going out to this farm where they uh, rent cars out to missionaries, to, 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 um, to, to Christians that are in the ministry. And we drive out there, and it's just poverty was amazing. I mean, these you know, these dilapidated trailers, barns that are just caving in, cows roaming everywhere, uh, very, very poor people. And uh, I was just astounded. I, I, you, know, you don't see that in America. You just don't see that. And I, and I saw it. And I was just driving with him, with Kyle, and we both were astounded. We, we drove by this. The road kind of turned into like a, like a non-paved road, and trees were growing up around the the road and we were driving and we came to a clearing and there were just like three or four just broken down old trailers a, a barn that was just totally just fallen in because of neglect and and at the end of the driveway was just an, was an elderly person just looking at us you know we drove by and we just it was like not even a, the, the person it was like was that person it was like nothing behind their eyes they were just so just life was so tough and I I kind of just said, what is going on? And, and I kind of just, we kind of put up our little radar dishes to discern the, the atmosphere. And, you know, the atmosphere that you work in, the atmosphere that you live in, the atmosphere of your home, the atmosphere of your, um, uh, where you spend your time, that atmosphere can actually be very, sometimes very accusative, meaning that the accuser of the brethren in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10 is someone who accuses you day and night as you're sleeping. I mean, as you're sleeping, the devil sometimes will try to just project stuff at you. That's why I always like to pray or read my Bible or read something spiritually before you go to sleep, because it actually helps my sleep. And then, practical thing, don't sleep near your phone, because <laughs> turn it off, because those frequencies can disturb your sleep patterns. It's been proven. But, you know, the atmosphere where you work or sometimes in your family can actually be sometimes very accusative. And these, these five areas are areas that the devil wants to target you and I to, to wear us down. So how does this wearing down impact us? Well, physically, physically, lack of rest. And I, this is going to be, none of this is going to be really new for us, but sometimes we just need to just go to sleep. Sometimes it's just like, you know what? I prayed, I read my Bible, I did everything, and I'm still like, it's maybe I just need to go to sleep for an hour. You know, God gives his beloved sleep, and that's a good thing. Number two, we sometimes we'll get worn down mentally, and it'll affect our, it'll affect our capacity for faith and to trust God in our mind. And then emotionally, number three, sometimes we can get worn down over because we're overstimulated by things. And number four, spiritually, an environment that, war, that, war, that wears us down continually. So what do we, what do, we do to, to, contra, to, to, 
to counteract this? How do we build ourselves up? I know that many of us, if not all of us, are in circumstances that just can get really hard sometimes. And we really don't talk about it, you know. We really don't talk about it because we don't we don't like to complain or in some cases nobody really else nobody else can really bear that burden except for us. You know? Um, it's interesting like how in our culture when someone asks how are you you know and we always say we're fine. You know, when, when foreigners come to our country to visit us or to go to our Bible school, uh, many times uh, they'll say, I just don't understand because people here ask me how I am, and then they just keep walking. And they don't realize that how are you is part of our greeting, how we greet people. But for foreigners, when you ask them how are you, they're going to they're gonna stop and they're going to tell you exactly what's going on in their life. And if you're like, wow, TMI, it's too much information, I don't you know, and that's the way it is. But how do we deal with that, and how do we, how do we keep ourselves? Well, let's look at Psalm 103, and I just want to read a couple of verses to you that are just very encouraging, very encouraging to us. Psalm 103, and we'll start in verse two. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. I like how David spoke to his soul. You know, David took. He spoke to his soul. He took authority over his soul, spiritual authority. He took his, he took in his spirit, his spirit was, David's spirit was quickened by the Holy Spirit. And his spirit would speak to his soul. And his soul, remember the human soul is that part of us that responds to the environment that we live in. It is responsive. It's very self-conscious, our soul. It's very world-conscious. Our soul is not God-conscious. It's our spirit is that your spirit is like a window. If you were to, build, if you were to look at a house, uh, the soul would be like the interior of the house, and your spirit would be like a skylight. It'd be a window to heaven. And and David is speaking to his soul. And David could detect when his soul got down. And many times in the book of Psalms, you see David speaking to him, his soul, Oh my soul, why are you downhearted? Why are you disquieted? He would say sometimes. Uh, David says here, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And I think that that's a good sign of authority in your life. When you get down, you can just talk to yourself. You can say, Hey, look, soul. Stop whining. Stop complaining. Uh, stop being bitter. Uh, bless the Lord. And then what, do you, what does he say here? He gives, he gives five things that the Lord has done for his soul. And this is how he built himself up. And I like this, these five points. They're like the five stones that, that David had when he approached Goliath in his, in his bag. Number one, it says here, who forgives all your iniquities. Think about that this morning. All our iniquities are forgiven. Isn't that beautiful? All of your iniquities are forgiven. What are iniquities? Iniquities are not sin. It's actually, iniquities is mental sin. It's something that hasn't been done yet. It's maybe something that's in my thought process that I have not acted out yet, but it's in there. It's something that nobody else sees. It's that mindset that, that leads us into sin. Iniquity is when we err from thinking with God and we 
stop trusting God. And God, it says here, he forgives those iniquities. Isn't that amazing that God has forgiven all our iniquities this morning? Whatever was going on in your minds, you know, that you, may, you and I may be embarrassed about, God has forgiven that. Forgiveness, that's a beautiful thing, that God has forgiven you and I. He has removed that from us, and he has sent it away. He's sent it as far as the east is from the west, as it says later on in the chapter. Number two, it says he, for, he heals all our diseases, verse three who heals all your diseases. And I believe that's not only just in a, in a figurative sense, the diseases of the soul, like depression or, uh, or fear or uh, the damage that's in a soul, but it also speaks of, I think, of diseases, physical diseases, that God heals people. God heals people at different levels. It may be that God doesn't heal you immediately, but he may, be, he, he may have you in a process where you're healing uh, faster or you're healing better than the doctors may actually be be uh, be expecting uh, healing can happen and this is how God uh, this is a benefit and this is how we encourage ourselves that God heals us he heals our soul he heals the pain he heals the hurt number three he redeems our life from destruction and that's beautiful I like that verse because what is our life without God looking like before we got saved, before we became a believer in Jesus Christ? It was a direction of destruction, self-destruction. And we don't really need to talk much about that because we see it all around us, don't we? We see amazing people on a path of self-destruction. And they're locked into this path and they can't get out of it. It's because they don't know how to look at Jesus Christ and to trust him. Number four, he crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. You know, when you look at a king, you see a crown, right? And that crown is a symbol of authority. It's a symbol of power. The crown is a sign of, of uh, the, to be feared that he has been, he's been appointed there. Uh, the, 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 a king without a crown is not a king. But you and I our kings in a sense, because we have a crown. And what is our crown? It's not a crown of wrath and judgment and um, destruction, but it's a, it's a crown of God's loving kindness. Loving kindness is two words that the King James put together, God's love and his kindness. Kindness is really uh, grace in action. When, we're doing, when, when something is done outside of any merit in somebody's life, Kindness is something that happens to us when we discover God's grace and we begin to see the kindness of God in our life. And that's what we are crowned with. What is my great claim to fame in my life? It's not my gifts. It's not my talents. It's not anything that I own. It's really that God has given me a crown of his love and kindness. That's what makes us great today, isn't it? You know, when I look at my life, I can just say, you know what? I don't deserve this. There's no way that I could ever qualify for this. And God's blessings in my life are so amazing. That's what makes us great. What makes this church great? God's grace, God's kindness. You know, you know what's amazing? And I'm not going to knock on wood because I don't believe in that. By the way, do you know where knock on wood comes from? How many, knows where, how many know where that saying comes from? Somebody said that the other day. I was like, what does that mean, knock on, knock on wood, you know? 
Knock on wood means back in the days of pagan Europe, they would talk about something and they would hope for the best and they would knock on a tree because they believed that gods lived in the tree and that if they knocked on the tree, they would wake up the god and they would hear the, the wish and the hope. Like, you know, I hope I stay healthy. Knock on wood, you know, and they knock on the wood and hope that the god that lives in the tree would hear them and grant them their request. So we don't knock on wood as Christians. But now I forgot what I was going to say. Anyway. Anyway, let's just continue. Tender mercies and loving kindness. And then number five, who satisfies your mouth, or in some translations, your years with good things. You know, when we sit down and we look at God's blessings in our life, there's a lot that we have that people don't have. And it's a lot of things that we can say that, you know, God has really blessed us with. And, you know, in our life, many times when we come to a crossroads, things can either go this way for the worst or things can go this way for the better. And in God's kingdom, when we go on that road, if we come to a crossroad, God's mercy and grace is what throws the switch and gets us on the track of God's benefits. There's a lot of places where people come to their life and they just, they're down on their luck. That's what they, people say. And it just it goes to the worst, goes to the worst. Why? Because the grace of God is not in their life. Because they don't have any way to look up to God and say, you know, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, for all, and forget not his benefits. I think if we learn how to focus on the amazing things that God is doing. Oh, I, know, I remember what I wanted to say uh, before we talked about knock on wood. God's been so blessed. God has blessed this church. Do you know that, that, that we have not had a flood here in two years, three years? How many years? Yeah, isn't that amazing? And I'm not going to knock on wood, like knock on wood. There's been no knock on wood. That's just fatalism. That's just paganism, superstition. Why is that? Because God, I believe God has got four angels on all corners of this property, you know, and he just protects this property. There's a lot of things that could happen here. And... And God has done, God has really covered this place. Why? Are we special? No, we're just God's people. And you know, I believe there's a lot of things in our homes that could happen that don't happen because of God's benefits. A lot of things on the road that could happen. Um, I remember one time I was driving in Ukraine and, and um, my wife and I were in the car and we were driving. It was a single lane highway and, and we were driving behind this. We were going, driving from Poland to Ukraine. And in front of us was this van just this um, uh, cargo van that was just way overloaded. And it was just like the, the whole body was just kind of sitting on the back wheels. And, and um, I just thought, I just had this thought, like, you know, if something was to happen with that van, we would be right behind it and we would hit it. And I just had this, this thought from God, you know, I just, we just need to pass this van. So I passed it. And behind me was a little red BMW. And as soon as we passed the van... I heard this explosion, and uh, all this, I looked in my rearview mirror, and I saw all this smoke coming out of the back of the van, and that little red BMW hit the back of the van, and there was an accident, and what, what had happened was that one of the tires had exploded, and the whole body just, you know, just sat back on the, on the uh, wheel, and just, uh, you know, caused, it was just too much smoke, and nobody could see what was happening, and there was an accident. I think that God tells us things. He leads us. And sometimes we don't even know it, but we find out that, you know, maybe a road closure happened or, you know, 
we got late leaving the house because uh, the dog needed to go out or something, or one of these things that we were like maybe an inconvenience. We find out later that, wow, you know, if I had left the house at that time, I would have probably been in that accident. So God is keeping you and I. He's covering us and he's protecting us. And we just should thank the Lord. I, I just want to say just four things before I leave, before we leave here to encourage ourselves that, you know, the most encouraging thing is, is that in Psalm 32, it says this, blessed is the man who's, and let's, I just want to read it to you. This will be a personal verse of edification for you. Psalm 32, it says this, verse 1, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man who the Lord does not impute iniquity. Imagine if God held it against us, every thought, bad thought that we had. This verse tells us that he does not hold it against us. He does not impute our iniquity. To, impute means to put on the account of somebody else. It means to make a deposit. It means to hold something to someone. You know, can you imagine if God chastised us every time we had a thought that was not agreeable to God in his word? God does not impute to us iniquity. That's a beautiful promise because if, if it says later on, it says, if, we, if you were to mark sin and iniquity, who would stand? And Jesus Christ has paid for that. And praise the Lord today. That's why we can raise our hands and worship the Lord. Because in Hebrews chapter 10, our conscience, the conscience of the worshipers has been cleansed and cleaned so that, we don't, so that we're not in a place where we are under the oppression of our thought life and sin. Four things, four practical things I want to leave you with. You know, every sermon and every message should have a principle, one main point, should have an illustration, and I have an illustration for you right now. It should have a challenge, and then it should have a practical, a practical thing to take home, a practical application. Here's the illustration. Thursday night we were here in in prayer and by by the way these Thursday nights are like I'm loving this is like it's the it's so much fun it's just so awesome I you know every Thursday night I drive home and I'm just so encouraged and so blessed and if you think of it and if you're able to make it come on Thursday night and get blessed take time out of your out of your week and just build yourself up and we were sitting here and there was a woman here that was uh Carol just you know it's Carol and she's in her mid-60s and she said, you know, she said, uh, she said, I've been following the Lord for many, many years. And, you know, I'm in my mid-60s and I'm a, little dis- I'm a little disappointed in myself. I'm not as holy as I thought I would be at this age. I'm not as holy as I thought I would be. And I'm not so godly as I wanted to be. And I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed in that. And then she said, but, I, but the Lord reminded me of the, whole, of, of the prodigal son when he went away from his father's house and he lived in the land and spent his inheritance with, with women and with partying and everything. And then he came home back in poverty and all dirty and grubby. And the Bible doesn't even tell us that there was even, that he even took a shower. But at that moment, as he came in his dirt and in his, in his grubbiness and his, he was unshaven, he came... The father came and put a robe of righteousness on him over all of that and gave him a ring on a dirty hand. And, and a party was put on for his son. 
And the point that she was making was is that it's like that, that God is not after us perfecting ourselves through sinless perfection. God wants to give us something in our state that we can't clean ourselves up, and he wants to give us a robe of righteousness, which speaks of a covering, and a, a ring, which speaks of authority, and a celebration because of his love. This is encouragement. Number one, there needs to be a point in your day, every day, and believe me, this is the, the devil's going to attack this. He's going to try to get you away from this. There needs to be a point in your day where you're alone with your Bible. It's got to be. If you're a mom with a teeming family, a lot, a lot going on, the devil's going to attack your relationship with the Bible. If you're a dad or a husband or, or whoever you are, you, the devil's going to go after this. He's going to attack your relationship with the Bible. And just get in some kind of a reading plan where you, before you start your day, or at some point in your day, you're just like, you know what? i got to take 10 here. I'm going to disappear in that other room, and I'm just going to open my Bible, and I'm going to read something. Number two, learn and develop your skills in discerning the process of wearing down. Grow in your discernment. Begin to ask yourself, okay, what's going on here? And just kind of pop up your little radar and just kind of take a reading of the atmosphere and say, you know what, am I getting worn down in this situation? And how I, because many times we get into a situation that wears us down and we're not aware of it and we're not building our, ourselves up. We need to get to a point where we say, you know, I'm getting worn down here. This is discouraging. This is not a good living situation. And we need to start thinking, okay, I need to discern this. And I need to be aware of this. That's always the first step to change is to, number one, be aware. Just to be aware of something. Throw light. You know, when light is always just having the Lord shine light on your situation is many times enough for the devil to flee. Just throw some light on it. And then and number three, remember this, Deuteronomy 28, verse 13. Deuteronomy 28, verse 13, it says this. You are the head and not the tail. I think that many times we as Christians just get into tail mentality. I'm just a part of the dog that just wags, you know, that just responds. I have no control over the head, you know. That's not where, that's not the believer. You know, think that way in the details of your life because God is with you. God has given you and I authority. John chapter 1 verse 12, we are, we, he has given them that believe the power to be the sons of God. God has given us in Romans chapter 5 um, the power to reign in this life through the gift of righteousness. God has given through, and through his grace. You and I are the head. You know, sometimes, you know, as a, I think as a husband or a father or just as a, as, a, as, a, as a single person, we can just get so beat up by details, bills and just misunderstandings and situations and then the system and it can sometimes just beat us up and we just find ourselves the part that wags instead of the part that is initiating. You know, just remember, you're the head with God. You're the head. God is with us. And number four, lastly, spend more time around the edification of the body of Christ. I can't emphasize this enough. We got to be around the body. We got to be around edification. You know, as trials and difficulties get, get more intense in your life, just say, you know what? I got to get around the body. I got to get around the word more often. I got to get around. Uh, I got to get encouraged. I got to get 
around people that are going to pray with me, that are going to encourage me. And I think that that's our kind of, that's the kind of church we have. I think we have a church that really feeds itself. It's amazing to see people ministering to people. And sometimes I'm thinking about somebody, and I'll just mention it to somebody else and say, you know what, they're, I've already contacted them. I was thinking about them too, and they're doing okay. And I, I you know, God, and it's just, that's the body being healthy and feeding each other. And that's the way we want to do, be, is that many times, 99% of our problems stem from this. We're not encouraged. Just build yourself up. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Get around people that are going to encourage you. Get around the body. Be, in, be engaged with things to the measure you're able to. And then there are folks, I'm just thinking of Jack and Shirley today. You know, there's some folks that just need, you know, they need to be, they need a, they need a touch from the body of Christ. Margie Moyer, you know, mm-hmm. let's, you know, let's give her a phone call. You know, when one is weak in the body, we want to be rushing to, you know, rushing to their aid. Maybe what we can do is limited, but just a phone call, a visit. Um, some of the folks at Charter Arms, you know, I think about these guys and, um, and uh, Eleanor, you know, just thinking about her recently. And I know she has, she has physical challenges. And uh, George Phipps is here. We want to pray for him today also. You know, just reaching out because the body, because, you know, sometimes life is very difficult. And, and you know what's awesome? When you get that phone call, when you get that visit from somebody, and you get that encouragement. Why? Because when we are encouraged, when we're built up, then we're in a place where we can build each other up. And that's what, that's really what the mission of the church today is. Amen. So let's just close in prayer. And 